0: Welcome back to the Low Bottom High Rise Podcast with me, your host, Moira Casaba. You guys are in for a treat today. We have Mr. Mel Abraham in the house. Mel, thanks for being here.
1: Oh my God, it's so good to be here. I mean, we had this on the calendar for a little while, so I looked at it and go, oh,
0: I get a chance to see her today. Yes. Super, super excited about this conversation. You are, a, I, I was thinking about this before, I'm like, you're a CPA by trade, but you're an entrepreneur by spirit, right? Because it yeah. is truly a spirit. And one of the things that you have front and center on your website that I love, love is paving the road to a richer lifestyle, deeper impact, and complete freedom. Oh, isn't that what we all want?
1: I, I think it's the three critical outcomes of of, yeah. of living what I think is, is a life of affluence. Um, yes. You know, a lot of people, when they hear me use the term, they think that I mean opulence. Now, opulence is just stuff. Affluence is meaning.
0: On that note, I I heard something from you not that long ago that really was a different frame for me. And and it just kind of woke something up in me. It's your take on legacy. Oh, yeah. We all think legacy is what we're going to leave behind when we leave this earth one day. How do you look at legacy, Mel?
1: So, you know, being a CPA and I, you know, work with a lot of people to help them build their wealth, build their lives, do all that stuff. And, and, and you hear it all the time. They go, I want to leave a legacy. So I'm, mm-hmm. I, I want to leave a legacy for, for, for my family. And, and this and, that. and I said, I said, this is a mistake mm. because we don't want to die to have a legacy. We legacy isn't stuff or something we build and then pass on legacy isn't what we leave for people legacy is what we leave in people Mm. and the only we do that is that we live a legacy each day of our life so we actually get to those last days and we look at and say legacy has been every day of my life yeah And and i think that i remember so my wife's from philly and when she heard me talk about legacy, you know, being from Philly, she thought I I wanted my own Rocky statue on the steps, somewhere. <laughs> which don't get me wrong, would be really uh, kind of cool. That
0: would be really cool.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, but what I said to her, because she's she's in leadership and she trains and she runs teams and everything, I said. The power of legacy isn't in the big things we do. The power of legacy is in the little things we do, in the moments that we interact, in the moments that we get a chance to connect with someone where we might look at a stranger and say, you know what, you look good today. yeah, And that we just changed our life. That's what I mean by legacy. And, and if we look at it from those eyes, then we realize the importance of the moments and then we might just give the reverence that each moment of life deserves.
0: Yes, 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 yes. It's so interesting we're talking about this because right before we hit record, we were talking about a a death that you unfortunately just experienced in your family. And I was talking about my dad. And it's so interesting that this is literally what we're talking about right now because at my dad's funeral, my dad left a huge legacy. I mean, the flags were at half mass. There was all kinds of things he had built and done and created but what people got up and said at that funeral reception was how he really made them feel every single time you know he was completely and totally present and so many people kept saying kind of the same thing that when i walked away i felt different you know i felt seen i felt heard he always took the time and that's that's legacy it's it's how it's how we leave people and we are in this society, and my dad's probably looking down on me saying, slow down, slow down, sister, because I just go so hard so fast, you know, workaholic, da, da da. But the 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 like the nectar of life, for lack of a better expression, is in those like moments that you feel life, that you pause, that you just take a deep breath to be in the present moment. I know we're here to talk about money and business and entrepreneurship, but what people think they want to aspire to and they want what you have, or I have, or the success or the, this, or the, that, or the book or the, whatever, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything unless we are taking the moments to revel in it.
1: So true. So true. Listen, we will talk about money, um, but we need to also understand that money is just a result. It's not a purpose. And, and so I know a number of people, that have a ton. Of, they've got a huge bank account,
0: right?
1: But they have a bankrupt life, mm. and it's just not the way to live. And so, w- focusing on focusing on building that bank account without building that life—that's why I use the term rich. Mm-hmm. I want a richer lifestyle. You know, the richness of life, yeah. and it's how we experience it. It's how we feel uh, feel about it. Because wealth is a statistic, and so. We tend to, like you said, we're going, you know, I was going to say balls to the wall, but I guess I just did. Balls to um, the walls. Great. I, I, I love it. <laughs> you know, you're going with your hair on fire and you're not experiencing, you're not slowing down and you're not, not taking that moment to just stop and look in the person's eyes or to feel the moment, good, bad, indifferent, even if it's a bad feeling to just feel it. Yeah. Not necessarily live in the bad, but feel it right. and be alive. And uh, and the reason we want the money is not for the money,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but rather for us to control the moments. Because if we control the moments, we control the legacy. Mm. And so that's, that's why, for me, I look at it and say, yeah, let's build the wealth, but let's build the wealth with a purpose right. to create that richness in life. Um so uh I, I just I, I'm one of those that says on that last day, on that last minute, I want to be sweaty, dirty, tired, look looking back at all my friends and all the people and go, one, I did it my way, and two, I did it all.
0: Yes, yes. And I'm yes. ready to step in. Oh, so good. It's so interesting because you know, I've experienced this in my own life. It's like the drive for more income, more income, more income, more wealth, more money. And you know, you get to a point where you're like, Whoa, 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 like pump the brakes. What is the point? Yeah. Like, what is the point? What is the difference between a and five million? 200,000? What's the difference between 1 million and 5 million? What's the difference between 10 million and a hundred million? What, what's the outcome that I'm looking for? And I feel like everybody's outcome, the goal is the dollar, but what it should be is the why behind that, right? Like, what do you want to derive? Once you arrive there, what do you want from that? Is it, is the goal now more time freedom, more freedom to be in the moments, more freedom to choose? That's, that's wealth, right? That's living. I I totally,
1: I totally agree. I think we actually should uh, measure our wealth in time and not dollars. Yes. How much of the time in my life do I get to control? Do I get to have say on um, yes. is important. You know, financial freedom is actually the most rudimentary freedom we could strive for. I think it's really time freedom and, and mind freedom and be able yes. to, to, to do that. And so I have people that will come to me and their objective is achieve, 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 and they don't realize the price they're going to pay. Now, I'll tell you, yeah. I, I don't work with them. Or they don't last with yeah, me.
0: Yeah, right.
1: Um, because the very first thing I'm going to sit back and do is say, let's just talk about your life. What do you want? What, right. Why are we doing this? Be- and not because I know better. Well, I do know better, but it's because I screwed up. Yeah, and yeah. Life has a funny way of saying, well, you're not taking the small hints. Let's give you a big one.
0: Absolutely. I totally agree with that. You get the whisper, you get the knock, yeah. you get the hammer over the head, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, It's so it's so true and it's so good. I can remember kind of going back a couple businesses in my life. And you know, we were at this crossroads where we were getting ready to go national. It was getting ready to blow up. And I sat down with my husband and I wanted out. I wanted out. It was killing my soul. It was killing my family. Oh, brings me back. And I remember him saying, but babe, like we have put hundreds of thousands of dollars. You've put years of your life. And I said, it doesn't matter if this did everything we could ever imagine and more. And, you know, it's just hundreds of millions of dollars. This company that it goes to that level, we will be broken. Our kids will be affected. That's not worth anything. You can you the no dollar amount, right? And so choosing different avenues and choosing different things. And that's not to say, and and I'm curious what you think about this, because I also believe there are seasons of sacrifice, right? There are seasons of sprinting. There are seasons where you do go balls to the wall and you have to make extreme sacrifices to get to that level where you do have the freedom. So how do you reconcile that? Because I think a lot of people are caught in between those messages, right?
1: Yeah. So... So I learned this at the hands of a six year old. So <laughs> Tell a me more. Time dad. Um, you know, I started raising my son when he was five and a half years old. It was just me and him. And I had no business because my partners had thrown, kind of not thrown me out. They pushed me out. I had no clients, no client backlog. It was just me. But we had $300,000 in debt because I just bought a home mm-hmm. and I had to figure out how I was going to get make money. So I did what most entrepreneurs do. I got on the treadmill. I started running. I put my head down. I'm running, 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 running. And around six years old, he comes running in one day. He says, Daddy, Daddy, I drew a picture of you at school today. And I kneeled down because he was so excited. It was like his birthday morning or something, you know. And I, and I get this picture from him. And there I am in a stick figure, blue felt tip pen, with two computer screens, a phone in each ear, and one on the desk ringing. And I looked at it. And I said, holy moly. Um, mm-hmm. And I could have, and then I had all these people in, in, in my world saying, here's the problem, Mel, you need work-life balance. You need work-life balance. And, and I could have looked at him and said, dude, we need the profits. I got to do this because this is how we're right. going to be able to keep the roof over our heads. We're going to be able to do the things we're going to do and, and, and all of that. And the fact of the matter is, is he didn't need my, my profits. He needed my presence. And that's when I started to realize that work-life balance is a myth, and this is the myth that we're sold of balance, which, in some senses, insinuates equality. Mm -hmm. In another sense, is it it insinuates that you got a weight on one side, a counterweight on the other side, and they're playing tug of war. Right. It's conflict. So we don't need balance. We need harmony. Mm. I love that. Harmony comes from intent. Yes. And too often we're on the current of our life, but we don't know what boat we're on. We don't know what oars we have. We don't know what direction we're going because we're not intentional. And there'll be times where intentionally, you know, you're going to work hard. Intentionally, you're going to be present and do this. So as long as we live with intent, we are finding our own harmony, our own rhythm, our own melody to our life in a way that works. So With Jeremy, one of the things that we did is I created a calendar because I was Mm -hmm. traveling, I was speaking, I was doing things. He knew the red blocks were always his. Yeah. And so there was intent every time with every time block, and he also knew any other color could get moved for him. Mm. And so from the outside, it may not have looked balanced, but from right. the inside, it was intentional, it was communicated, it was open, and we were living life. Now him and I are, he's 33 years old, got two, two grandkids and, <laughs> and everything, and we're as close as close could be.
0: Yeah. And that's where it's so about the moments, right? Yeah. I can remember when I started working a lot as a mom. And I, I it's funny, my dad keeps coming up, he must be around somewhere in some way, shape or form. But I can remember looking back and thinking my mom was always there. She worked while we were at school, but she picked us up every day, had dinner on the table every night. She was always there. My dad would, you know, slip in at six o'clock at night, put his briefcase down. But I remember my dad. I remember this presence. I remember him playing with us. I remember him down on the ground on the carpet with us or outside playing catch. But then I thought, but wait, he always went in every single night religiously and watched the news every day in that chair. So I'm like, wait, he might he might've spent 30 minutes with us, but I remember my dad. Yeah. And it was that that time was so focused and intentional and his presence was there. And my experience has been as crazy busy as I am. And, you know, I've still got kids in the house that I am so much more intentional exactly. with my time. It's like, we all want more time. And I'm like, it's right in front of you. Just last week, I got home on a red eye. I mean, like, I'm about to fall on my face, right? And my 15-year-old son looks at me. He's like, mom, can we go get Mexican? And I was like, (laughs) oh, dear God, all I want to do is go to sleep. But I looked at him instantly. I was like, yes, we can. Yes, 100%. I will go out to dinner one-on-one time with just you because it's my intention is to actually, one of my yearly goals says to pursue my children. We pursue goals. But one of my top three this year is to pursue my children, right? Yeah. And so it's like, we don't necessarily need more time, we need to learn how to delegate, we need to learn how to delete things. We need to focus on the things that matter that only we can do. But then that allows us to show up so fully in those Mm -hmm. other moments
1: it's so important and and so it's not the quantity um my yeah. wife she's one of seven kids five five girls and her her dad passed away a deck uh this will be 10 years um but he made sure that he had a dedicated date night with each of the girls mm. and so that they special. had their thing that they did yeah and with my my wife it was roller skating so he they would do a date night and go roller skate she has his roller skates she has yeah. those memories and so it wasn't the quantity of how the presence was there it was how it was thoughtful intentional mm-hmm. and meaningful and that's that's really how we get that richness in life yeah and and to have the financial ability to have those choices which is a blessing right. it's a privilege but but it's also i believe it's a right i think that it I is agree. a birthright to be financially free we just got to figure out how to claim it not for the for the the financial part but for the freedom part
0: right right absolutely Absolutely. And there's a million moments in the day. Right. And I feel like we are all for your expression, just going balls to the wall, unconscious, exhausted, caught up in our heads, not even seeing the world around us, not even seeing. And it sounds, you know, kind of so airy fairy, but like, you know, not even seeing the sun setting, not seeing the trees, not seeing the, you know, the puppy that runs up to you, not seeing your, your children's eyes. Right. We're just, we're just doing, doing, doing. Uh, this conversation went in the best direction ever. (laughs) I love this. I love this. And here's the thing. I want to get to the money part so you can really give some tangible tips. But I also want to just, you know, voice the fact that I see you living this. You know, we met um, out in LA a few months back and it's funny because money and all of these complicated things that people a lot of times just run away from. And like, I don't want to look because it's so intimidating to me. And so I'm just going to keep piling up the debt. I'm keep gonna, I'm just going to keep kind of doing what I'm doing, which is getting me nowhere. You know, it can be so intimidating. And I remember meeting you and like, I just fell in love with you instantaneously. I was like, what is this guy? Like, I love this guy. I love his energy. I just feel like we're instant best friends. Like he's so on my level. And then I was like, wait, he's like a the financial guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just love that you embody this. Like it's, it's how you show up in the world and it's how you live. And, and we were not in a room or a circle where you had to put on any pretenses. You could have, you could have been busy. You could have been doing what you're doing, but you are so present. And so I just want my audience to know that you walk the walk. You really do.
1: Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's dig into some of these simple steps because I think I would say, if I had to guess, you know, we have a lot of entrepreneurs here in the audience. And a lot of them are in their kind of wealth building or even just money building for lack of a better term, kind of phase of life, right? And so much is being reinvested, a lot of time in not only their business, but their growth. And I've got some questions about that. But when is the best time? to start.
1: Oh my god. So <laughs> people ask me that is now a t- now a good time to invest. And um uh, and I asked them the question. We, did you invest yesterday? No. Did you invest the day before? No. Then today is a good time. Yeah. Because here's the thing. It, the reality is is time is our greatest lever when it comes to building wealth. Mm-hmm. Uh and it's not and wealth creation, building wealth is less about the money and more about the behavior. Mm. 80 to 90% of it is behavior. It's habits, it's decisions, it's choices. People say, well, I got money issues. I said, no, you don't. Then this is confronting for people. I said, you don't actually have money issues. You have money symptoms.
0: Mm. And
1: they go, what? I go, oh, yeah, they're symptoms of the choices, decisions, and habits
0: yes. from the past.
1: And they go, well, you don't know what. I don't know. I do know. You can make different choices. We can make different decisions. It can be confronting, you know, and I'm not coming from a, I, I didn't, I'm, a, I'm from a son of an Im, immigrant family. Dad came here at 17 years old with nothing. Um, I lost one third of everything I owned. I've been up, I've been down. So I get it. But the thing that I realize is no matter how much money I made, if I had bad habits, bad choices, bad decisions, mm-hmm. bad behaviors, it would be gone. Right. And so- so the good news about that is it's fixable. We just yeah. change the habits. We change the behaviors and we get a different money symptom. And hopefully that's wealth. And so the first thing is, is really starting to understand that we are in control. Mm-hmm. And just like going to the gym, you know, a lot of people will put off investing because they say, well, I, when I make more. Right. I right. promise you. If you're not starting to do something when you're making the hundred bucks, you won't do it at a thousand or ten thousand because you haven't trained yourself or built the habit or the behavior. So I'd rather you say, All I can afford to do is five dollars. Great. Right. Then let's put five dollars away because what that happened, because look, you go to the gym, you don't walk in the very first time you go to the gym, you don't lay down on the bench press, put you know, a couple of forty-five pound plates on on a barbell, and think that you're not going to hurt yourself. Right. You go, you go over to the nothing wrong with the chrome weights, but you go to the chrome weights. You go to the smaller weights, and yeah. you say, "Let me just start getting things moving." Same mm-hmm. thing with wealth building. So, I'd rather us build the behaviors yes. with five dollars and ten dollars, because all of a sudden that'll become twenty, a hundred, and a thousand but this is blowing my mind
0: this yeah. is blowing my mind i'm thinking back to when i used to teach a lot in the health and wellness and fitness world and i can remember gosh it was probably 20 years ago everyone's focused on the the weight loss goal like the number they want to be this number they want to be this number they're writing it down you know on their vision board they're putting it in their new year's resolutions and it's so outside of us and it feels that's what actually makes us feel kind of like a loser like it it, yeah. it hurts our confidence, right? Because we feel so far from this goal, and we think we're just trying to get to that number, trying to get to that number, trying to get to that number, and we're focused on that number. It has nothing to do with that number. All you can do, and you take instant control back when you focus on the behavior that that's gonna get you to the to that number, but we can't yeah. focus on the number. We have to focus on what are we doing today? What are the behaviors? And so many people feel completely out of control with their debt, with their relationship with money, with, you know, they don't have the investments yet. I, I love this. Like it is, you can take control back today.
1: You can. Here's here's something I have over. So I, I pick one or two really big goals that, <clears throat> that I want to do in a year.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I have a sign above here that, that's on the wall that says, for instance, I've got the book coming—a book coming out—and so the sign says, "What would a New York Times best-selling author do today?" Yes, and, yes, stepping and so into, into that
0: identity—that's uh-huh. that automatically makes you step into the behaviors,
1: and it steps you into the present because we're asking about what would he do today? What would yeah. you do today?
0: So radically different to come at it from that that vantage point. So, let's go back to the person yeah. that has nothing invested. You know, they' they've got debt, their credit cards are racked up. Where do they begin?
1: So here's I kind of <laughs> kind of walk through something that I call the wealth priority ladder. and the <clears throat> the first thing to do is this. I want to make sure that you have breathing room. So we call this the comfort fund. I just want it's not an emergency fund. It's not any of that. It is. It is to make sure that we don't go further into debt or further into stress if something unexpected happened. There's statistics that show that that uh, the, more than fifty percent of people cannot—they live in check to check and they cannot sustain themselves if they had an unexpected expense of over a thousand bucks. Wow! So, so what I want people to do is first find a way to get fifteen hundred dollars
0: mm-hmm.
1: or one month's expenses in a high-yield savings account. Now, that may mean you take a side gig for a moment. That may mean you look around the house and say, I'm not using this stuff. Let me put it on Facebook Marketplace. Let's get rid of it. Yeah. The whole purpose of it is to say, look, something happens, I got my medical deductibles covered. Something happens, I can pay for the transmission. Something happens, I can take care of the kids. I don't have to go into debt Mm -hmm. or deeper into debt if I'm already in debt to get there. So that gives us some some comfort. Then is when we start to look at, okay, the next stage is to build what we call a peace of mind fund instead of an emergency fund, and and start to look at the debt that we have. Mm -hmm. If we have what I call destructive debt. There are folks out there that say all debt is the devil. No I don't think all debt is the devil, right. Uh, I do think that all debt have have two personality traits, no matter what it is. but I think that there's constructive debt and destructive debt.
0: Mm.
1: Destructive debt is the debt we use for consumables. It's mm-hmm. the debt we use to pay for a lifestyle that we can't actually afford today. It's the debt we use be, to buy stuff because we happen to be on Instagram and we swipe, down, that looks good. I think I'm gonna yeah. buy it. Um, Double click, Again, face not scan. living intentionally. Right. Okay? So destructive debt is doing that. It is not increasing your net worth. It is not increasing your wealth. It's really not increasing the level of richness in your life. It's mm-hmm. only giving you momentary pleasure. It's stuff, okay? Then there's productive debt productive debt is something that will increase your wealth will increase your net worth or will increase your cash flow over time so that could be debt going to to buy uh a piece of equipment it could be debt that you pay for facebook ads that are going to come back in a multiple it could be debt that you uh use for a rental property or things like that so what that's doing is increase so there's there's two kinds of debt i'm cool with a productive debt, I'm not cool with a destructive debt. But no matter whether it's productive or destructive, they both have the same personality traits. And the first personality trait is it costs. Right. Called interest. All debt will cost you money to have it. Right. Even the thing the people that say, "Well, it's zero percent." No, it ain't zero <laughs> percent. Right. Somehow they're paying for it. Yeah. Someone's exactly. paying that bill. Okay. <laughs> That's one. The second personality trait is all debt stresses. Mm. It stresses our financial situation and it stresses our personal lives. Mm. Even if we don't think it does, the fact that you know in the background you have this debt service, this payment that you got to make, there's stress there. And so we need to acknowledge and say, "Okay, it has these two personal personality traits. I got to do it deliberately, I got to do it intentional." Um so so when we do this, you've got, once we have the comfort fund, then I look at, hey, you've got the destructive debt and we need to build the peace of mind fund. There are those that will say, do get out of debt first, then worry about the rest. Mm. I think it's a mistake, okay? And, you know, my, my path will extend the time to get out of debt a bit. But I think your debt management muscle group is different than your than your wealth creation muscle group. Mm. And if you ever seen a dude go in the gym, like we're using a lot of gym analogies, <laughs> and all he does is work his upper body and doesn't ever do the lower body. Yeah. Looks great in sweats, but we put those shorts on. It's a Q tip. Yeah, yes. yes. Um, yes. <laughs> so, so I want to make sure that we exercise both muscle groups. Yeah. And so let's say that I have an extra five hundred dollars to use towards getting out of debt and getting my emergency fund or investing in place. So I'm, I'm gonna make an allocation. Now, what that percentage is is gonna be based on your desire, okay? Mm-hmm. You can split it 50-50, some people will say, I'm put 80% of debt, 20% to my uh, t- towards my, my peace of mind fund. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But what we're doing is we're getting in the habit of keeping ourselves, getting out of debt, and staying out of debt, and building something at the same time. Right. I I want us to to not only dig out of the hole. I want us to build the mountain at the same time. Yes. And so so that's how we do it. Now, when it comes to debt, if you are in debt, and we can give it's to, it's totally free. I have a I have a a worksheet. It's an Excel template um, that's called the Debt Breakthrough Calculator. Literally, you can put all your debt in the payments and everything. And then you can decide, do I wanna use a a snowball method, which is smallest balance first, or the uh, avalanche method, which is lowest interest rate, uh, uh, highest interest rate first. It schedules the payments out, and then you get on a debt pay down plan, and you get yourself on on a plan. And at some point, I want you out of destructive debt, never to go revisit again. Doesn't mean you don't use credit cards. I use credit cards all the time, but we don't carry balances especially in a rising interest rate environment.
0: Yes, yes, yes.
1: So that, so that's, so phase one is the comfort. Phase Mm -hmm. two is, is making sure that I got my, my peace of mind fund and myself out of debt. Now the peace of mind fund, a lot of people will say three to six months, especially for entrepreneurs. I think that's way too short. Mm. Okay. I I have for years said nine to 18 months, call it 12 on average. Okay. So, and, and here's, here's why. Three, th- the first three months you're in shock. The second three months go, I better get something done. And the <laughs> third three months you're finally doing something. Okay. Right. Um, and and now with the level of high yield cash accounts, high yield savings accounts where you can get at five five and a half percent, it's not as horrible to have some stuff in cash and for right. liquid. So so I want to get out of debt, and I want to get say twelve months into this peace of mind fund. Once one or both of those is cleared, I'm either out of debt or I have that my, my peace of mind fund. Then whatever was going towards that can start to go towards investing. Yes, and that that depending on your age or stage of life, you're gonna you're gonna want to invest 15 to 30 percent. I know it's a lot into in into your future. Yeah, um, and so. So what, what we would do is is determine what what it takes to get to your number and then start investing there.
0: I love this. This is so I just love a formula. Like I love an exact path. like, tell me what to do first, and then second, then third, then fourth. Let's go back to destructive productive. yeah, this is huge. And I also love that you said both stress like in in multiple ways, right? So understanding kind of the emotional part of, I can feel good about productive stress, but I I will still recognize that it will still feel like stress, right? Yeah. But once you understand that intellectually, it makes it very different. And just the two buckets make it so different. So this is the question I, I actually kind of fielded my audience this morning. And a lot of them were asking, you know, how do you know, when you're kind of living beyond your means? Or Or, and I think a lot of that was, you know, they're, they keep as entrepreneurs, we keep investing in our growth or we keep investing in learning new strategies or hiring the coach or the mentor or the thing. At what point do you feel, because to me, that would be productive, right? Like it's, it's an investment in your business. It's not in my eyes, ever an expense to put dollars into that bucket. But at what point is there a point you cross the line? Because we all know, and not the people that I'm talking to at all, because these are actually good friends of mine, but we know that there's lots of people out there that are just throwing money out the window, doing training after training and certification after certification, and they're not making the money.
1: Yeah. And at I, what
0: point can you help like my listeners with that?
1: Yeah. So, so you kind of hit the nail on the head. The cost of saying getting into a mastermind. Or getting into coaching can either be an investment or an expense, mm. and it's not how you see it that changes it; it's how you use it that changes mm. it. And so we we tend to we tend to say, "Well, I'm going to go to this coach, and they're going to fix me." No, yes. they're not actually. Yeah. At some point, you know, to keep with the gym analogies you're the one that's gotta li- lift the weight. Yes, yes. At some point, you gotta look at it and say, am I getting an ROI on this expense, yes. on this this cost? Now, here's the important thing. No matter the investment, even if someone says, hey, like I'm, I'm helping someone to set up their investments and, and build their portfolio right now. Even before we make the investment, even before we say buy, we ask ourselves, what's the exit? Right. What's the end supposed to look like? What does success look like? What's the expectation? If I'm going to go invest in something and I expect it to double my revenue, I expect it to, to um, have my time so I get more time back. Mm-hmm. So I know what the measurement metric before going into it is.
0: Yes. This is so important.
1: Yeah. And, and, and then you sit back and say, okay, for that to happen, what needs to happen in the interim? during the time to make sure I'm on track. So now before I make the investment, before I spend the money, before I do anything, I know my exit. I know my path. Now I can make it and I can track it. Too often right. what happens is that sounds good. We make an emotional decision. We get in the game. We don't know our exit. We don't know our path. We don't know how to squeeze the juice out of it. Yeah. So we get the return. Yeah. Now, let me hit on something that might be on some people's minds. So I live we live in a really nice home on the water here in Laguna, okay? My wife hates when I say this, but it's the worst financial investment we could have made. Worst. <laughs> okay? Because it tied up a lot of cash. Yeah. Okay. With no no cash flow. Mm-hmm. No, you know. But there are some investments you make that are for quantity. In other words, you get something back. Right. And there's some investments you make that are for quality. Yes. And we have to do it intentionally. The reason we did this house, the reason we decided to buy this house was because I saw how my wife was in the kitchen and in the big room and how she felt and what the view and all that. And I said, all right. And if I'm making a qualitative investment, Mm -hmm. then I need to make sure that it's well within my means and that it doesn't put me over the edge. And there's parameters. Like for a home, I don't ever want to be over 28% of my cash flow, those kinds of things, to make sure that you're smart about it. But we can still make qualitative investments knowing that, hey, this is something that I love, that I enjoy doing. What I call, what's your top three joy priorities? Mm. You know, the things that give you sustainable joy, not momentary stuff, not the stuff that you might see so that's nice. She got that. I'm going to go get that. You right. Know. We Doesn't, just went I mean, through
0: this with buying a dock. I don't know why docks cost so much money. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I'm like, we're buying another house. It's a few, it's planks of wood, oh. but we have this amazing financial guy that was able to sit us down. And you know, you would think your financial advisor would say, this is stupid. This is ridiculous. It costs yeah. so much money, invest, invest, invest. And he was able to say, this is quality of life. Like this is, this is what your family will be living and breathing on a daily basis. Like this is, this is where it doesn't necessarily make sense on paper, but it's the right thing to do.
1: Yeah. And and I think that's, so you want to separate those and just know that if we're making those quality of life decisions that we don't bury ourselves in the process, but uh, on your original question, really understanding the exit, understanding how we're getting the return on investment in the path to get there is really the important element. Um, and then just looking at it and not, not being Pollyanna about it and saying, look, I, this is really going to strap me, right? You know, I've had people that have wanted to work with me, and they they, for, they they'll say, "Well, I can pull it out of my IRA." And I go, "I go, oh no, 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 no." Yeah. You know, one, it violates all my rules, right? And I'm not yeah. transactional; I'm relational. I'm not going anywhere. So let's yeah. figure something else out. Um, or they sit back and go, "Well, I'm I'm, I'm going to." If they come to me and they go, "Well, I got to put it on three credit cards," I already know there's a problem, right? No, well, that's why they want to work you with do, you. <laughs> and when you're ready, yeah. I'll be here. Yeah, But I don't want someone going and saying, this is my last dollar. This is my last vestige. Let's be smart. There's, there is a difference between being committed and being reckless.
0: Yes. Yes. And I think it goes back so much of this that I want to go- kind of revisit is the idea that you said it, you said tracking, right? Cause I have made, I mean, and again, just so everybody knows, you don't get to where myself or Mel is in life and we've lost a ton of money and made a million mistakes, right? Oh, and yeah. we're trying to save you from that. But I can't tell you how many times going, you know, ass on fire, balls to the wall, just trying to hire people in to help manage the chaos and thinking, you know, hiring this company to do this piece and you know, a year later, I look down and I'm like, there, there, there has been zero return on my investment. Like, pull the plug. We got to get rid of these people. But it's it's going so fast that I don't have time to look. And so what I've learned as an entrepreneur is every single person that I've hired after I've made several, you know, huge mistakes is that, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna kind of revisit this in 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. Yeah. If we're not at X, Y, and Z then we're gonna to have to have an exit strategy here because it's not gonna be working, right? And instead yeah. of just thinking that you're gonna hire these people and you're gonna magically get the return on investment. Like you have to kind of, you have to at least own being on it and making sure everything's tracking and trending in the right direction because otherwise
1: you're just putting holes in the boat. Without without, a doubt and and knowing how they're measured, they know how they're measured. Mm-hmm. They know what they're, uh, like, I, this drives me batty with a lot of people on, uh, with social media um, agencies and stuff. Mm-hmm. You'll talk to them and they say, well, here's my fee. It's, it's a retainer of a thousand, two thousand, five, 000, whatever it is. And we're going to do 10 posts a week. And this, yes. I go, here's the deal. I don't care about how many posts you, you do. Yeah. My metric is engagement, conversion, and, and, and growth. So, yes. if you can do that with one post, great. If you have to do a million posts, fine. But if you have to do a million posts, we got to have another, another conversation. <laughs> yeah. But the reality is, is that we're going to measure results that matter. Yes. Not some package you want to sell me. Yes. So you can check the list and go, I did what I told you I was going to do. But what you told me you were going to do didn't help my business.
0: Right. And this is like such a huge thing in our industry, right? With oh, all huge. of these people, because we have to learn how to delegate. We have to outsource certain things. You and I shouldn't be spending six hours a day crafting social media posts, right? Like we, we've we got better things to spend our time on, but that's just it. They're pitching the, I checked the boxes, I did my job, where's my check? And I'm like, but but you didn't deliver on the results that I hired you to, to deliver on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: So the other thing to think about along this lines is, it is is the b word that people don't like okay budget mm, yeah okay i call it a cash resource plan the problem is people see budgets as oh it's it's corralling me it's it's mm-hmm. stopping me from doing things no 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 a cash resource plan is giving you permission to spend yes what it is doing is every dollar that comes into your life every dollar that comes into your life must have a job description Mm. Okay. Imagine for a moment, you decide you're going to hire 20 people. Okay. So you bring 20 people in, you bring them into the boardroom, in the conference room, you're having the conversation, welcome aboard. I'm glad you're here. Here's what our company does. By the way, I hope you noticed, I didn't give any of you titles. I didn't give any of you job descriptions. I'm not giving you any goals. I'm not giving you to-do lists, but I want to triple my business in the next years. Let's go do it. I mean, what's the chances of success? Zero. Zero. But that's what we're doing with our money. I don't know about you
0: guys, but I used to drink multiple cups of coffee a day. That is until I discovered Energize, which it may sound over the top, but quite literally changed my entire life. I use it before my workouts first thing in the morning when, you know, I might be exhausted from a crazy night of disrupted sleep. It gives me the energy I need to show up and be strong in my workouts and go full out, no matter how little sleep I'm, I'm running on. But more importantly, in the afternoon, oh, at that three o'clock time when I'm about to fall on my face, it is such clean energy with zero crash at the end. I always put it in a huge thing of water, so I'm getting extra hydrated in the afternoon and it brings me to life and allows me to show up for my kids and my family on a whole nother level so you guys try it out for yourself the link is in the show notes below trust me when i say your life is going to feel totally different with energize in it
1: yes and our money are our employees they're better than, than employees because they work seven days a week but uh, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. They don't take PTO. They don't take vacations and they're not going to unionize on you. <laughs> this is the best analogy ever. So what we need to do is give every dollar a job description. This dollar yes. pays the mortgage. This dollar goes to donations. This dollar is for my ads. The, and and we do that in advance Yeah. because then it gives us permission to spend without guilt.
0: Yes, yes. Yeah, because you've got dollars allocated for all of it. Yep. Oh. So good. I mean, it is. It's a framework. A budget is a framework for freedom. Exactly. Not constraint. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this is so good, Mel. Oh my gosh. Um, we don't have a ton of time lapse. So I wanna I wanna go back to kind of the emotional place. And yeah. this actually came in from a friend of mine. She said, when there is panic. And, and I love what you already hit on this, right? I, I would think like when you're in that financial kind of panic of spending, you can ask yourself, right? Like, is it going into this bucket that's productive or destructive? I think that's a great first action, but she asked, are there steps to be taken or walk through? So, you know, kind of, if is it the good kind of spend the bad kind of spend? Is this the right thing to do the wrong thing to do?
1: So if we're in a state of panic, that means we're in a, in in a, in a situation that isn't working. Mm-hmm. So the first thing that we want to do, it's, it, you're, it's like going to the doctor. Let's first figure out where the problem is. Mm-hmm. So I remember in 96, 96, I herniated three discs in my back, right? Um, you know I had a martial arts studio for 11 years and I went in, I didn't warm up and I started throwing the kids around and oh. and then I let it go. So I had eight millimeter herniations and, and they, they, I went in to see an orthopedic surgeon and the first thing he says, well, we need to go do surgery. And I said, what do you mean? He says, well, the discs are sticking out. So we're going to just trim the disc away. Okay. And, and that way, you know, it'll take away the pain. And I go, but hold on a second. Isn't the problem, the compression of the vertebra? That is p- causing the disc to protrude. He says, Yeah, it is. I said, but so by just cutting the disc away, what are we doing about wow. the compression? He says, Well, n- nothing really. I said, Well, then what happens down the road? He said, Well, at some right. point you might have to fuse your vertebra. I go, Oh my gosh. Oh, okay. I said, I'm not doing that. He says, Well, there's very little chance you're gonna fix it without it. Uh, I did. Okay. But but the fact is that they were treating the symptom. Right. Not the cause. Yeah. So the very first thing in
0: that moment that the panic is the decision. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So let's let's step up and try to figure out where the symptom is. Mm -hmm. Do we have a leak? Do we have something that's inefficient, ineffective? Let's figure out what's causing the symptom so we can get to the cause and say, okay, does this spend help fix the cause so I can do that? Okay. The other thing to realize is to, to understand that when we bring emotions into our fine, when our emotions go up, our financial intellect goes down. Yes. Okay. Um, just try to shorten the story in 2005, I got involved in an investment that turned out to be a Ponzi scheme. Mm -hmm. This guy, told me, you know, 20% returns. I'm on this bluff in in Malibu, looking at it. Everything was great. I'm literally the n- numbers nerd in me. I'm, I'm penciling out on a spreadsheet, 20% returns. Oh man, I'm going to be bigger than the GDP in like three years, <laughs> you know? And I wiped out one third of everything I owned, well in the seven figures, me and two other dudes, we lost over four and a half million bucks in that decision. But what happened was he, he triggered my emotions. And when emotions went up, I went straight to stupid.
0: And so you're saying whether your emotions are high, good or bad, right?
1: We're, we're not thinking straight. Yeah. And so we, when we make a decision in, in an emotional state or fear, then the likelihood that that decision is correct from a, a financial standpoint goes way down. Wow. So what we need to do is separate our, ourselves from the emotion. And what the emotion typically is, is an anticipation of what might happen if we don't get this right, especially when it's financial stuff. Now, if I don't do this, I'm going to be bankrupt. I'm going to be on the street. And we start parading this, right. this stuff ahead of us. Um, and so now we've got to look at it and say, how do I separate the emotions from the facts?
0: That's so interesting that you shared that story because she's obviously asking from a negative emotion standpoint. Mm-hmm. And so often we're looking when we're in that negative emotion, you know, we're looking for I want to feel good about this decision. I want, but you're actually saying you could feel too good. You could get be getting yeah. swept up in the emotion. So you got to be careful on both ends both of that sides. emotional spectrum. Yeah.
1: Yeah. If you oh. look at um any of these. Any any cons? In fact, I did an episode on my show on the emotional and psychological triggers, and there was eight of them. This person that did the Ponzi scheme he used on me. Wow. In in hindsight at yeah. the time, but this is why. This is why, if you have a cash resource plan, this is why, if you have a process, this is why, if you have rules for investing and you follow them, like I might put, I might not make an investment that could have been the next Amazon. Right. But if it didn't hit all the rules that I put in place to keep me safe from not doing the same thing I did before, Mm -hmm. then. I'm following the plan, I'm following the strategy, I'm following the rules, I'm following right. the discipline to have the behaviors to do the right thing.
0: I love that. I love that so much. And just like you said, all dollars have a job. Yeah. You know, I can remember the first time I made a ridiculous, I mean, it was a great investment, but it was a six-figure investment in a coach and a mentor And, you know, I sat my husband down and he's like, excuse me, what? (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) And, you know, we figured it out financially because, you know, we do have reserves and things like that. But it was so interesting because the next year I I was, my mind was blown when he said one day, so are we doing that again? Because he had allocated for it, right? Yeah. And I instantly thought, well, if we're not, then I'm going to use it for something else in this. Like we have allocated for my mentorship my growth yeah. my you know and it's like you can make really this just proves your point when you have the bucket sitting there ready to invest in this area you're making really deliberate intentional wise decisions yeah not emotional ones the
1: the other thing that i would say to in this is because you're making intentional decisions all that uh but also because the challenges will do this to it. I don't know if she's doing this with herself. Whatever the decisions you made in your past mm. are in the past.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You had to make those decisions for whatever reason. They they will be in your future again if we don't learn the lessons. Yes. The way we don't learn the lessons is by by not uh, taking accepting it you know yeah. taking responsibility yeah. i couldn't heal from the ponzi scheme and and we i rebuilt everything that i lost and tripled it within 18 months wow okay. and but i would have never done that had i not accepted my responsibility right. not blame completely different cuz yeah. blame will keep you keep you sinking it'll keep you stagnant it keep you from moving responsibility will empower you to say, Hey, what was my role in this? Yeah. I gave in the money. I did this. I, you know, and now you sit back and say, cause there's lessons in responsibility. There are yes. no lessons in blame.
0: Absolutely. Oh, this is like one of my favorite topics. I mean, I just think taking responsibility for everything in our lives is like at the foundation of, of living a, a happy, prosperous life, you know? Yeah. And just like you said, it's that's, that's the pivot. It's like, I take responsibility. I get my side of it. This is my side of the street, as I always say. I I see it. Now I can learn from it, and I can do different going forward, and I can feel confident in making changes going forward. And then you also start to even look back, not that you would want to go through that experience again, but there's a piece of you that's grateful because you never really would have learned what you got on that deep level had you not experienced that.
1: I am where I am today because I lost that money. Yeah. The my clients are better off because I lost that. money. Right. I, look, I paid for like three Harvard PhDs. So, right, y'all, yes, you all might as well get the benefit of it. But right. the things I teach, the things I write about, the things I, when I, when I meant it's because of that. And yes, and he, and that goes back to some of the things we talked about before. Now, at least I, it wasn't intentional at the time. At least I'm intentionally giving it value in the future.
0: Right. Right. By
1: paying it forward, by teaching it, by doing yeah. some things. So now it had some value. Right. You know, would I want to have gone through it? Not necessarily, but I am better today because of it.
0: Right. I mean, I teach that's what I always teach is how how is everything is a gift. Every single thing is a gift. And you know, for the audience, you might not be teaching this like Mel's teaching this, but you have children right? Like oh, yeah. when we, when something devastating happens to us, whether it's our team at work or our children and our family at home, like we will make sure that that doesn't happen. There's such a gift in that. There's so much value in that. And that just, do, gosh, do you know feels so I, much better.
1: Do you know why I was able to rebuild from the Ponzi scheme? So there's three of us that, there was more in it, but there was two buddies in it. One spiraled out of control, resentment, bitterness, destroyed yeah. his marriage, destroyed his business, destroyed his, his uh, liver, he started drinking. The other one just shrunk his life and kept on living. I was resentful, mm. but I had Jeremy. Mm. He was still living with me. Yeah. And I realized that if I curled up in the corner in in adversity, he was watching. Yeah, And he would see, this is the way you deal when things go wrong. So because of him, I said, I I gotta be strong. I gotta get up. I gotta show him. And so I literally sat him down. So here's what happened. Yeah. I said, it's gonna hurt.
0: How old was he but at it's the
1: not time? Um, he would have been 14.
0: Wow. So he really got it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And um
0: what a gift, what a lesson. Yeah. I mean, he'll he'll grow up when you and I are gone one day and he'll tell that story. Yeah. And it it will, I mean, I'm sure just be a huge part of shaping who he is and how he operates in the world.
1: He's what 30, a gift! He's thirty-three. She, his wife's thirty. They got two kids, three homes, and a multi-million-dollar net worth already. Wow! So you did good, Dad. Something, something sunk in. <laughs> oh and my! God. And the most important thing: he's a good person, in spite yeah. of the genetics. In spite of the genetics, he's, <laughs> he, he is. He's a good husband. He dotes on the little girls. He's mm. just he and and I look at it and go, that's my proudest success.
0: Yeah. Yeah, gosh, so good. You know, and and I want uh, we'll wrap here, but I just yeah. want to kind of give this little nugget because we all have parents that did things right and things wrong. And it is my belief that every single thing that I used to view as my parents did wrong, is actually the greater gift because it was so apparent in my life and I lived it. And so I go so far in the other direction with my children. It's, it's who I am today yeah. because of that. Right. And what yeah. a
1: gift. What a it gift. It's huge, huge, huge. Oh, well moments. now, the moments this, matter.
0: yes, this has been the best conversation. I could literally talk to you for hours um, where can people find you? What do you have coming out? You got to tell the world about this, uh, all the things. I'm so so I'm, excited.
1: I'm all over the, the, uh, socials Mel, and, and under Mel Abram, Mel Abram nine on, on Instagram. I'm not sure who the other eight are. So we'll hunt them down. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, uh, uh, I'm on YouTube. I've got my, my show, the the affluent entrepreneur show, but the big thing is I have my new book coming out called, uh, Building your money machine, how to get your money to work harder for you than you did for it. Um yes. that, that is a lot of what we have talked about here. It's part, it's part uh life philosophy, money philosophy, money strategy, money tactics. It's some the, the processes, the frameworks, and everything that we do. Um I like I said, I I believe that that financial freedom is a birthright. I want, I'm on a crusade to get people to to understand how to claim it because I believe that we're here to live a life that outlives us and our time here. And mm-hmm. we do that by making every moment matter. It's what I call the legacy factor. And so, so it. that, yeah, building, building your money machine book.com for that uh, there's pre-orders and stuff there and, and, and all that stuff. But uh, that's, that's the the exciting stuff I got going on right yeah. now.
0: That is super exciting. I want everybody to go buy like 10 copies because you're not just going to want one for yourself. You're going to want to gift them to everybody else. So that link is in the show notes. So make sure you go there. Tag Mel in this episode. Tag me. We would love to hear from you guys. You know, just your feedback, your questions, all of it. Bring it and we will do our best to serve you guys. Um, But Mel, thank you so much for being here today.
1: Oh my God, this was such a gift and such a fun conversation. Like yeah. like I could go for hours, you know? Um, I might have to take a potty break, but you know. Uh, <laughs> but this well, I'm great. Get to- Thank you so much for the, for oh the graciousness and having me.
0: Absolutely. Thanks guys so much. And we will see you next week.